This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. We had a net promoter score of negative 41, which was pretty rubbish. At the moment, our net promoter score sits at a plus 80, plus 85. That's the voice of Carolyn Rain. She's the Executive Director of Strategy and Engagement at Local Land Services, which is an Australian state government organisation. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. Hi there, I'm Michael Momsen. So, Michael, today we are talking about government organisations and how they approach customer experience. Carolyn is from Local Land Services, which is a government organisation in New South Wales, which focuses on helping regional farmers, landholders in the community with things like, you know, agriculture and biosecurity and resource management. And so that kind of got me thinking, you know, why is a government organization like this motivated to improve their customer experience? That's very true. Often we have nowhere else to go. We have to deal with that government organization. So I've been really looking forward to this episode around government organizations improving their customer experience and what would motivate them, how would they actually make it come about, and what are some great examples and stories and takeaways of a government organization improving their customer experience. And this episode absolutely delivers. And so we started off by asking Carolyn, what is it that local land services does? So it's a New South Wales government agency. Uh, it's it's run by a board of independent board members. And what we do is work with farmers all across New South Wales to help them better manage their natural resources, their agricultural productivity. Also, we look after biosecurity, travelling stock, and a whole range of other services around emergency management. So looking after um, farm animals in floods, fires and, and so on. Great. That's a wonderful summary. So it begs an interesting question, being that local land services is a government organisation. Do you think about your constituents or your farmers, um, you know, the people that you serve, uh, do you think about them as customers? Do you use that terminology? Yeah, we do. Um, We like to think of them as customers and we're providing a service. Some of our services are regulated and some of them are are voluntary on behalf of the farmer. I mean, they're really really just farmers out there and they like to be known as farmers, but for us, they're definitely our customers. And it's interesting because you were talking there about some services being voluntary and some being legislated, your customers don't always have an option of receiving a particular service from you. So, it is a little bit different to, you know, other customer experience scenarios where if I'm getting a great service, I can rave about it and encourage more people to use it. Or if I'm having a bad service, uh, I can, you know, take my my hard-earned dollar somewhere else. Why is customer experience actually important for local land services? In terms of our uh, legislated services, it's really important because there's an awareness factor. Um, sometimes our, our farmers aren't aware of some of the, I guess, rules and regulations, say, around biosecurity. And it's also um, that our farmers are aware of what service we can offer to help them out. So farmer comes out, they find 20 of their sheep have passed away overnight, and there might be a 
a question of a biosecurity risk in terms of an animal disease or something like that. And what we want is for that farmer to firstly think of us and to call one of our vets and to get them out there straight away. Now, if you've had a bad experience with us as a government agency, you're less likely to do that. And and that just means more risk for our meat industry and society as a whole. No, that, that totally makes sense. Basically, if there is good levels of engagement and trust, which is the foundation and the output of, you know, great, you know, service delivery and great customer experiences, it means that there's going to be a tighter bond, which means that, you know, as an organization, you can do your job better, which is to do those things that you mentioned in terms of keeping our produce safe, etc. And what about when it's something that's maybe not legislated, but it is something that is a, a value add, maybe talk through the importance as a government organization to be delivering good experiences through those. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that uh, our staff do as a voluntary thing for a farmer uh, and that might be something like uh, restoring your local creek or river or something like that. Farmers don't don't have to do that if they don't want to, but the more experience we give them with us and building that trust, you know, our officers can then talk to them about are they interested in a project. We often get funding through the Australian government for, for those types of projects. And the more farmers we can get involved in that, the more money we can put on the ground and the more natural resources we can start to fix up across the landscape as well. And out of interest, where did this come from, this this sort of drive for improving customer experience and having a, a sort of customer-focused lens for a government organisation that's not necessarily something that's sort of naturally uh, maybe the first thing to go to maybe it's more like let's you know be compliant and like follow these things sort of interested where did that kick off from it's probably fair to say that the new south wales premier that's one of her priorities is really good customer service and customer experience and we started to think about well how are we actually going to do that our customers or farmers didn't really have a voice to tell us if we were doing well number one the right thing and was it things that were useful to them as well So we wanted to create that opportunity to give them a bit of a voice and to give some feedback to our staff as well. And what's that experience been as an organisation internally? Because there's probably a a range of sort of almost change management or just thinking about, okay, well, we're now going to take a a customer-centric lens to the delivery of these services. Maybe talk us through, you know, some of that journey and any stories that may come to mind. Yeah, so we kicked off on the 1st of December last year. A lot of the staff were quite nervous about it because obviously they didn't want to get a bad rating. So we had to do a lot of talking to the staff. The staff that delivered what I'd call good news or, you know, guess what, you've got some funding to fix up your creek, um, were more into it at first than the staff that were maybe delivering not so great news to the farmer. So, you know, we've had to get over that hurdle as well. But the feedback that's been coming in has been really, really positive and the staff, you know, warmed to it very quickly because of that. And they were able to actually see themselves what the, the farmer thought of their advice or their services. So, you're obviously measuring customer experience a lot more since the start of this program, which is great because that's, you know, part of any kind of holistic customer experience program. But what else has changed inside the organisation? You know, is it the way that you're engaging with customers, the, the terminology you're using, you know, talking through different channels? Talk us through some of the key elements of the strategy. Um, it's the way staff think about the, the whole experience. 
because we are using the Rated tool, um, they're thinking about how can I give this farmer a, an holistic experience? So they're thinking about that. The other thing it's made us do is look at the feedback generally and, and question ourselves as to are we delivering the right programs and are we delivering those programs in the right way to get as many farmers as possible engaged. So it's made us think about that as well. And look, we haven't been going for very long, but it's certainly made a difference. An example I can give you is we actually implemented for all of our staff some training called Focus on Customers which got them to think about the customer experience from, you know, start to finish all the way through and how they can use that to gain knowledge and, and how we can use that to improve our, our reliability and trust and that sort of thing on the ground. It'd be good to understand, like, how did you actually deliver that, that training and sort of which elements of that, you know, really resonated and helped result in, you know, greater service outcomes? So we delivered that training with the help of uh, another government agency called Service New South Wales. They basically exist to provide transactional services on a range of different things for everyone in New South Wales. So we used their experience and they'd actually sort of turned their whole operation upside down in terms of customer experience and so um, had actually been through the process that we were just starting on. So they helped us design the training. I think we, we got, of our 1,000 staff, we had about 700 trained. We focused on those that were out there with the farmers or answering the phones or at the, or at the front counter. And the things we focused on were things like, you know, how to deliver not-so-good news in a positive way, how to listen, so active listening, um, you know, how to be empathetic with what the customer was going through which was really important at the moment because a large proportion of New South Wales is currently in drought and a lot of our farmers are really doing it tough. And so for our staff to understand that, understand how to actively listen and and understand their needs and how we can work within what they need versus what we need to do as a job, I think it made a, a whole lot of difference to our staff to be able to do that. So, Carolyn, welcome to the Quickfire Round. This is our lightning game show segment where you've got 10 seconds to answer each question. Are you ready? I am. Good. Carolyn, your first question is, what brand do you look to as an example of great customer experience? Oh, probably my local cafe down the road. <laughs> no particular brand. What did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I wanted to work with birds. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> but they're a little hard to get your hands on. <laughs> they move too quickly. <laughs> uh, that's great. Maybe a nice uh, lead on to our next question. What skill are you terrible at? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I can't think of an answer to that. I don't like to admit I'm terrible at anything. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe, that's, maybe that's what you're terrible at. <laughs> Uh, yeah, modesty. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We found it. Uh, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm actually reading a biography of Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of Queen. Who's someone that you really admire? Um, I admire my boss, a, a chap called David, um, because he's he's... He's calm and, and organised and 
and measured. I tend to go like a bull at a gate and uh, he's, <laughs> he's a bit more measured, so keeps me in line. What's a non-work-related thing that you're really into right now? Um, I'm into kayaking at the moment. It's probably mm. a bit chilly now, but uh, yeah, love to just paddle around on the, the river or out from the beach. Where do you go to upskill? Is it books, YouTube, podcasts, conferences or something else? Probably all of the above. Um, I get a lot of my stuff from online. I also go to conferences, uh, workshops, online training. We have a really good online training uh, system for New South Wales government. So, yeah, probably a bit of everything. And lastly, what is your guilty pleasure? Ice cream. <laughs> Didn't take long. Didn't take long to, to answer that one. What I'm actually really interested in understanding, Carolyn, is how this shows up from the customer's perspective. So you've obviously got a range of offices around the state where people can come in and, you know, interact with somebody face to face. And you've also got a, you know, a huge amount of team members who are actually out in the field in regional New South Wales talking to farmers about, you know, some of these issues that they're having. So what's actually changed about those interactions since you've implemented this program? There's some great stories about about friendly service. Um and it definitely has changed the way the staff think, knowing that they are going to be rated after the the interaction. I will say, though, that most of our, our front counter staff were always friendly. Right. But if, if you think back, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that first off the bat so I don't get in trouble. But um, <laughs> if you think about how government services have been in the past, you know, you you'll walk into a government office and, you know, there might be a dry person standing behind the counter who's just, okay, I'll go and get Fred, you know. It's more one of the things that that we are tending to do more is I guess you might call it case management. So whoever the farmer sort of engages with initially, that person will, will see through their case until they're either formally handed over to another officer or handed over to another government department or something like that. But looking after them right through from A to Z in terms of what they need, yeah, probably a lot more smiling. I'm thinking about how we can deliver news that is not so great for the farmer but do it in, in a friendly way. You know, we do um, consents for removal of native vegetation as well. And quite often the farmer can't necessarily do all the things they'd like to do, but we will then focus on what they can do rather than what they can't do, which is sort of a bit opposite to your traditional public servant from, I guess, 10 years ago. Yes, who was the, the, the no police. What I, what I particularly <laughs> like about, you know, what you described there is that the sort of positive impact of accountability, you know, because actually they could people could view it as a negative thing, but actually like this is something that we want to celebrate and have great outcomes. And then there's a sort of culture of celebrating those wins as they're coming in and people feel great because like ultimately if you're lifting your service game like as an individual who's you know on the front line it feels great to you know see the, the good customer feedback come through and and have those wins and that be acknowledged and then I think probably the most important thing is that you're also pairing it with the training of the delivery. Um, would love to hear if there's any particular stories that come to mind over the last um, six months where you've made some changes based on, you know, post-training, based on, you know, some of the, the customer feedback that's come through and anything where you, it may be early, <laughs> but, uh, you know, where, where, where you see some of these wins coming to life. 
I guess some of the positives is that we're able to go back to um, certain offices and and staff and just say, so you've gone from from this experience rating to this rating. Um, so you've really, you know, stepped up your game over the last three or four months. And our, our general managers who are out there in the field use the information quite regularly for that. We've been able to use a bit of friendly competition as well, <laughs> just around, you know, who's getting out there the most and what sort of feedback they're getting. And individually and personally, the staff are getting a real kick out of some of the comments that are coming in for them personally. And I think that has led other staff to start thinking about, well, maybe I'll give this thing a go as well because we didn't really want to force them into it. We've just sort of gradually introduced it over time and the staff are definitely now starting to see the joy in it and we've had some really positive results. On the flip side, um, we can get onto negative feedback really quickly and we can we can get out and talk to that customer really quickly, whereas before, you know, they might have written a letter it would have come in, it would have if been allocated to someone, you know, three weeks later they'll get a response and they're like, oh, great. <laughs> and they've got, to, they've got to jump over the friction of writing the letter in the first place, which they probably don't. Most people probably just stew on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, it's uh, immediate response as well from them and from us, which has been an improvement. I imagine making any kind of change in a government organization is difficult, let alone something that involves culture change and new processes around something that, you know, maybe is not inherently in the the DNA in terms of being service focused, but there may be an aspiration and people like intrinsically believe. It'd be good to understand sort of the challenge and the journey that you've been on in implementing a customer focused program within a government organization. We ran a trial in our Riverina region and then the uh, the general manager down there came along to the board meeting and presented the results of the trial um, and went through some of the pros and cons of, of actually doing this throughout our organisation and the board, you know, loved it and just unanimously said, right, we're implementing this right across the agency um, because for the first time we were really hearing the farmer's opinion on what we did so for them they they saw it as really valuable so it wasn't difficult to get across the line and since then you know I've spoken at a couple of conferences and actually showcased what we're doing and there's there's other agencies that are starting to get interested and Service New South Wales is another example I mean they were doing it already as you exit their buildings you know they have a, a rating device there as well so it's starting to become more of the rule rather than the exception now, which is a really good way for government to go. So, you've spoken a lot today, Carolyn, about, um, you know, measuring the experience. And so, you know, there's a lot of benefits to obviously doing that, you know, having the real-time follow-up, capturing all those verbatims, being able to, you know, pit some friendly competition against, you know, different regions, which I love. That's a great little, uh, great little one. So, I'm wondering... Do you have any kind of early data now that you've been running this program for, I don't know, maybe like eight or so months now from the start of December to today on how things have improved in terms of your NPS and such? Yeah, we do actually. I mean, before we did the real-time 
sort of monitoring, we did random customer surveys by phone and we only did those every couple of years. So we've done two of those since the start of our agency, which was in 2014. And I think with the first one, we had a net promoter score of, of negative 41, which was pretty rubbish. The second one, it crept its way up to negative nine and our customer experience was sort of sitting around six to seven. When we started the the real time, at the moment, our customer experience is, is sitting at about so 8.4 um, out of 10 and our net promoter score sits fairly regularly at a plus 80, plus 85. Poor. That's a massive turnaround. It's huge. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. And I think it's more about with the random surveys, we were dealing with people who weren't necessarily dealing with us or having a one-on-one experience. So we were able to gain a bit of information about what people generally thought of us. But now the information is very specific and very specific to our interactions with our customers. So it's uh, a lot more useful in that respect and we're rating pretty highly and I I do remember saying to the uh, secretary of of our department probably you know four months ago he'd say oh these results are great and I said don't get too excited you know over time they will normalize out a little bit as the more data you get but they've stayed up as we've gone along and that's really promising for the, the future I think. Mike, I'm actually interested in what your opinion is of, uh, you know, an NPS of plus 80. You're the customer experience expert here. It's obviously excellent because it's it's you know, it's right up there with with Apple levels. I think what what's clear is that those interactions that you're having are extremely valuable and they're being delivered with a service mindset, right? Like it's not the it's not the no police. It sounds like you're you're really thinking about the holistic farmer and how to help them. And when there's sometimes some reasons where there is no, like you're framing it in positive light. And 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 I think having that bigger picture with a service mindset is what's really showing up there, right? Like the data doesn't lie. <laughs> if people weren't happy and weren't finding those interactions to be valuable, and they don't need to because it's a government service, right? So the fact that um, they're not paying for the service, they're not having to, you know, they, they can't choose to go elsewhere. <laughs> um, the fact that they, they think it's, uh, you know, that high, that's the result of the, the hard work that's being put in. So I think it's a, it's a great success story. I think it is too. And and we always thought we had reasonable customer service. So to be able to measure it and set yourself a, a goal to improve it is really good. And we, you know, we strive to meet our targets and goals and, and our existence to a fair extent is dependent on our farmers and how they value our service. So Carolyn, one thing that we've touched on a couple of times today is this idea of delivering bad news. Um, you know, customer experience and customer service, I mean, it's never easy, but it is easier when you have good news to give and when you can deliver it with a smile. But uh, I understand that a lot of, um, or at least some of the interactions that you have with farmers is delivering bad news and telling them no and telling them they have to do particular things that they may not want to do. And that obviously is challenging and it also can lead to uh, a potential opportunity where you get a bad rating. And and you talked at the start of the discussion about how some staff were a little bit afraid of that in the beginning. So, perhaps with the use of an example, could you talk us through how you actually now go about delivering bad news in a truly customer-centric way? Probably a good example may be a, a biosecurity 
example where you might have a, a suspect disease on a property. You know, an animal's got sick, local vet doesn't know what it is, farmer doesn't know what it is, uh, one of our vets is called in to have a look at it. If it does end up being a, uh, a biosecurity issue, things that have to happen on the property, you know, we have to put in place quarantine orders and, and that type of thing. And, and being able to step the customer through that process in a very empathetic way, understanding how they might be feeling about it, helping them to understand the impact on the rest of the industry if, if something were to get away. I think looking at it through the customer lens and understanding that it's all about their reaction and how they feel about the the situation, I think has made a difference and it's made farmers generally more likely to engage with our vets if they see a problem. Quite often there there isn't a problem and if we don't go in there all guns blazing, you know, well, we're going to shut this operation down, that sort of thing. You're saying, righto, let's let's have a talk, let's have a look, let's take some samples and, you know, be very calm and organised about it, which is what our vets will do out in the field. It just puts the farmer a bit more at ease, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, before we wrap up, are there any other stories or examples which come to mind that you can give us to finish on? Yeah, there's there's one story that I always think about when I think about, you know, how to deliver bad news in a positive way that I always share with the staff is um, I was over in Western Australia a few years ago on holidays and I got pulled over for speeding. Oh, right. um, (laughs) Naughty, so naughty. (laughs) It was about my my first speeding ticket ever because I'm a bit of a a square deal. Anyway... um, yeah, this, this cop sidled up to the window, license please. I gave him my license. He said, oh, you're from New South Wales. He said, I suppose you'd be wanting the holiday discount. And I said, oh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so he, um, he booked me. I, I got a smaller fine than I expected. And then he very happily pointed out to me that in Western Australia, you can actually pay your fine over the counter at a local post office or you can do it at um, a particular brand of bank and a few other outlets. And he just made the whole experience of getting booked really, uh, really positive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was really easy to then head into the next town, pay the fine and not have to think about it or worry about it after that. And it was that that got me thinking, well, that could have been a really terrible experience, but it wasn't. It was very positive. Well, in a in a strange way, um, you can maybe thank that officer because uh, they taught you a valuable lesson about customer experience. So, uh, and it just goes to show, no matter how bad the news, when delivered with an empathetic perspective and a holistic perspective, and you try to try to be easy, and you try to even deliver that in a good uh, service oriented way, no matter how bad it can actually be done in, in a far more empathetic way, right? Yeah, if you can put yourself in the customer's shoes, you will always be much better off when you're delivering a service. And on that note, what a wonderful way to wrap and particularly for a government department. So, I want to say, you know, thank you to you and, and the entire local land services team that, that delivers such an important um, service to farmers, um, you know, often the unsung heroes of the Australian economy. And, um, you know, to do that in a way that um, is very service mindset uh, is a fantastic success story. So, congratulations to you and the team. Thanks, Michael. And thanks, Adam. 
Well, Adam, another great episode. In particular, I really enjoyed this because it was the first time that we really explored customer experience in a government agency and from their perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, It really was almost a bit of a masterclass in how to shift your customer experience to be more customer-centric for government organizations. And I think what's particularly interesting is that they really have no reason to be better in their service, right? Like, if I'm going to get my driver's license renewed or like there's some sort of problem and I've got to deal with a government agency, like let's say even the tax department, there's like absolutely no reason for them to deliver me better service because I can't go to another government department to submit my taxes. If I'm not happy with it, well, I sort of have no choice. I can't take take my business elsewhere. But uh, let's explore this. What were some of the takeaways here for you? Sure. So, the first big takeaway for me was really where this all started for local land services was just beginning to measure how their customers perceive the interactions they're having. And so, you know, they implemented a measurement system from December and and that's really kicked off a whole range of other initiatives that have begun to support that. It's that old adage, right? What gets measured gets managed. Um, But it was just so surprising to hear that really just making one small change um, has actually had a knock-on effect to so many other things like training, like culture, like leadership prioritization of this, the way that they deliver news to people. Like all of this has been hugely and profoundly shifted since they just started to uh, just started to measure the interactions they were having. So, that was a really big takeaway. Yeah, and so another takeaway for me, which links in quite nicely, is that there's no reason to be scared of what is now becoming the sort of ratings economy or the review economy, right? Like we we quickly give a thumbs up to the Netflix show or give a quick, you know, ratings to our Uber or what have you. And this is becoming more common. And I think there was a little bit of apprehension about uh, like staff members feeling like if I'm going to get lots of feedback and ratings about every interaction, and especially if I have to deliver bad news, you know, not really quite too sure about this. What was interesting was how much the staff now talk about how they love it. I mean, she even said uh, our staff get great joy in seeing the customer feedback come through from from their interactions, which makes sense, right? Because if you're on the front line or if you're you know dealing with various situations and you're getting higher level volumes of feedback coming through about how you're interacting, then that's a, like a massive morale booster. Um, and sure, there'll be some things that come through every now and then that aren't great. But if you're working in an environment, a culture where you're not getting getting beaten up over those but you're getting supported and there's a there's an, a, a culture of improvement then that's also net positive <laughs> what's quite interesting was that my um my dad recently retired and sort of got bored and a couple of days a week he started driving uber and used it as an excuse to buy a fancy new uh, expensive car but um What's been really interesting is that like Uber gave him no training to get started, right? And my dad's a bit of a rebel, like lives uh, life by the beat of his own drum. And, um, you know, so had they given him training, I'm not too sure he would have followed it. But what's really interesting is that like he loves, you know, finishing each day uh, and scrolling through the ratings that he gets on Uber and like the comments. And, you know, he set himself these goals of being, you know, in the top, you know, quadrant percentage of, you know, drivers. And like it really is a personal uh, motivator, you know, when you're actually participating in um, this economy where you're actually able to get lots of, you know, reviews and ratings. And so I think uh, sort of a long point, but, you know, an important point, which is, yes, when you put these measurements in place, as long as you approach it the right way, there's actually no reason to be scared of getting greater levels of accountability and feedback coming through. Yeah, and uh, and I think actually what's interesting is it also relies quite heavily on the culture around how those ratings are perceived. I, I might use that as my kickoff for takeaway number three, which was about culture and training. So, let me kick off and talk about culture to begin with. What was really interesting in the discussion with Carolyn, and I don't think she 
necessarily planned it this way, but there's a lot of cultural elements that kind of um, were starting to pop up that was supporting this positive learning attitude towards the ratings people were getting. You know, they're, they're basically gamifying it in a way, you know, pitting little regions against each other, similar to like what your dad's doing. He's reading his reviews and he's gamifying. He's trying to get into the top whatever percent uh, in his region as well. So, um, from a cultural perspective, if you can set that up to support the organizational goals of, you know, service delivery, then that is going to make a huge difference. And then to layer on top of that uh, cultural element is the training side of it. So, actually supporting people in the how to deliver better news, in the how to deliver news in a more positive way, in the how to, you know, smile and, and be more empathetic and, and all these things that they were doing. You know, they, they basically trained the majority of their 1,000 employees, which is, you know, a huge feat and, of course, is going to have huge positive gains uh, in your measurements like NPS and things like that out in the field. So, that third takeaway is really important, thinking about not just measuring, but then, you know, how do you actually bring it to life through training and culture? Yeah, the fourth takeaway for me was that um, it was quite interesting when we sort of double clicked on what was great about the training and how that showed up was just how important it was to get the skill set in managing bad news and delivering the negative in a positive framework, you know, to the point where she's even sharing a story about how it was such a great customer experience getting this speeding fine. <laughs> and so I think, you know, th- th- there is real magic in, yes, like underlying empathy, but actually just having the skills in how to uh, deliver bad news, right? And and especially important for a government department, which can often be this sort of no police and give you all the reasons why you can't do it and all the risks and what have you. And so I think having some practical training around managing the negatives and managing the policies was a real big takeaway for me there. So let's sum our four takeaways up. Number one was that measuring your customer experience is a really pivotal first step to developing a program because what gets measured gets managed. Absolutely. The second point would be embrace the ratings and review economy. Point number three is support all of this through great culture and ongoing training. And finally, find your X factor in your training. For them, it was delivering bad news in a positive way. And it's worth mentioning that if you actually look at these four, they've actually done a bit of a micro uh, flywheel. So, going back to our episode 41, where we summarized how do you practically pull off, you know, great customer experience and put a program around this. And if you haven't had a chance to check out that show, it's number 41, well worth revisiting. Well, uh, thank you so much for tuning in this episode. If you'd like to give us any feedback, we love to hear from the customer experience leaders, fans. You can do so by connecting with Michael or myself on LinkedIn. And um, to make that easier, in true customer experience fashion, we've put a link to both of our profiles in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you next time. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for listening. Customer Experience Leaders is produced by Rateit. Rateit can help you capture in-the-moment feedback, understand the insights from that, and take action to improve the customer experience. So, to find out more about how Rateit can help your organization improve your customer experience, head to the website rateitapp.com. That's R-A-T-E-I-T-A-P-P.com. This podcast is made in partnership with Wavelength Creative. 
It was produced by me and Christopher Lawson, who also edited and mixed the episode. Our theme songs are by Icolix, Peter Cooley, and The Shrugs. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Adam Jaffrey. I'll speak to you next time. 